Hey guys, welcome to another episode of When the Ice Cream Hits the Fan. I have another guest back with me today. He's been on the show before, Shane Rickard. Hello, everybody. Nice. That I was like my that. announcer voice. I like that. Hello, in, everybody. That entry voice. <laughs> yeah. Well played. This is how I enter. And then I talk like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> or partly because you're sick. But. Yeah, I'm a little nasally, <laughs> so I apologize if I talk like this, guys. But um, Shane Rickard, um, as we mentioned before, is one of our creative directors here at Harmon Brothers. And we're going to talk about some fun stuff today. Um, yeah. A little, specifically, a subject that uh, Shane's pretty passionate about. Yeah. It's a little more, it's a little different from what we've done on the podcast before. It's a yeah. little more focused, kind of like in the, the current state of everything uh, versus specifically geared towards like advertising or how we, you know, approach advertising versus other industries or whatever. Yeah. But that's, I'm, I'm pumped on it because I think we're all really passionate about this, uh, you know, this idea. Yeah. So basically, the idea being, in the world of like creating art, specifically in creating film, we're kind of living in the best of times and the worst of times, I'd say. Yeah. Right? Um, and I guess to elaborate on that, I, I want to get into a little bit of a backstory. I um, in, it was probably 2005, I was living in California and I was selling, um, if you hear the occasional car go by, we're next to a window it's and fine. a street. And yeah. um, just just remember, we're doing this for you guys, okay? We're, <laughs> this is in a room with no air conditioning. In a room with no air conditioning, this. we are biting the bullet in order to create great content for you. And there goes another car, and we're sorry, but that's just the way the sound is here, okay? Um, deal with it. <laughs> suck it up. But please continue listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in 2005, I was in California, and because um, I was a door-to-door -door salesman, some of you know that about my backstory. Um, um, Jeffrey and I and uh, Benton as well, we all did door-to-door -door sales specifically with ADT alarm systems. And there were some incentives put in place um, for sales performance goals. And one of those specifically was to buy a, um, oh gosh, it was, it was to buy a TV, like a big screen TV. And at the time, like, that was impractical to me. Like I was moving around a lot with sales and I just didn't feel like lugging around a TV was a big deal. But I got this sales goal and um, the TV I think was worth like $1,300. But I just asked my boss instead, I said, hey, would it be okay if I cashed out that incentive out instead for a, um, for a camcorder? Um, and specifically it was a Panasonic 3CCD 480p <laughs> camcorder. Uh, it was all digital, which I was really super excited about. It recorded on mini DV cassettes. And yeah, which was, were at the time, those were like a big deal. That was a big deal. Because before you had like, you know, the VHS size tapes, they had to go into like a yeah. suitcase recorder. And then they went down smaller, and the mini DVDs were like, they were like the small. I was like, how do they get the tape so small? <laughs> yeah, they were tiny. And I called up my cousin that's really tech savvy up in Idaho and said, what should I get? And he pointed me at this camera and I looked up this, all the different stats on it and stuff. It took forever to make this buying choice. And um, I did. I bought this this camcorder. And, you know, it... When, it, when you have it in your hand, it's about the size of a small Nerf football. <laughs> so it's great, pretty, pretty great decent size, chunk. Great size comparison. <laughs> Everybody knows now exactly how big it is. Maybe a medium Nerf football. Whoa. Uh, that might be getting confusing. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just saying there's the tiny ones, and then the, this one was a little bit bigger, right? <laughs> and, um, and then it had the little flip-out screen. 
Yeah. And I was so excited about this. And I also, at the time, had a flip phone, like from Sprint or something. I don't even know if it was a flip phone. It might have been one of those little cube phones. Mm-hmm. Like some one of these Nokia things that you drop 600 times in it. Like the, the cover blows off every time. And, it's and you fine. put it back together and it's fine. Or an indestructible light <laughs> That's tank. right. Had one of those. Um, that was probably 200 bucks. And then I also had um, a Sony digital camera with, um, it was like 12 megapixels and, um, you know, took SD cards and all that stuff. And these were all three separate things. And that's that Sony, you know, between the $300 of the Sony camera, the $200 of the cell phone, and then the $1,200 for the camcorder, this, this digital camcorder, which was the latest and greatest thing. Yeah. A solid, massive resolution of 480p, <laughs> yes. which is standard definition television for anyone who doesn't know. That's right. It's amazing. <laughs> Like you add all that up, you know, we're talking $1,700 without tax and, um, you know, bigger than a Nerf ball size worth of, <laughs> of, of tech gear that's now all lumped into like a single device, right? Like I pull out, so I have a, I have a one plus one because it's cheap. <laughs> um, I, I, well, it's not a one plus one, it's a one plus three T to be specific, but I think I spent, you know, 450 bucks on that phone. And this thing has everything that all three of those did and more by a long shot. And better quality. Right, yeah. All, all accounts. It's a personal computer. At the same time, it does all this stuff connects me to social media, to my email, to, you know, I can do Google Docs on it. And the the video quality is way better. The, the, the picture quality is better with the stills. Um, everything is better. The phone quality is just literally... Like technology has advanced so much in the way of being able to create, and everyone is walking around basically with an entire tool set in their pocket to be able to be um, a filmmaker, or a videographer, um, an advertiser. Yeah, a creator, right? Yeah, a creator. And so, like that, that's kind of how I relate back to how we're in some of the best of times is now. Um, just with phones alone, we can do so much, but if you're wanting to even step a a level above that and go more higher quality, more professional cinematic. Like you can talk to this a lot more like, yeah, like DSLRs. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's incredible. And like how technology has progressed so much, like, like stuff like that was filmed in like the early two thousands when digital was first, like the advent of digital HD was coming out with like, you know, like arrested development was one of the first TV shows to be filmed in digital HD. And like those cameras were incredibly expensive or like even I believe it was episode one of star Wars was filmed on this like really revolutionary, like, like bleeding edge technology, 1080p digital camera from Sony. And it was like, you know, hundred plus thousand dollars for this camera. And it, you know, now you can buy a DSLR from like Sony or, you know, Canon, Nikon, Panasonic for, you know, around a thousand to $1,500 with a decent lens on it. And you can essentially shoot something that can match or surpass this this camera from less than two decades ago that costs a hundred plus thousand dollars and that like being used to shoot whole TV series and feature films at like their highest quality yeah one of the biggest franchises in history was shot on this thing and like that is just like so the democratization of that technology happens so rapidly and it's so abundant and so available it blows my mind yeah and so basically it just opens up the doors for everybody to be able to create um, in the way that they want to create I, I literally think for like you said 
like a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks, yeah. you can basically get yourself eighty percent, maybe eighty-five percent of the way there to a cinema quality image. Yeah. Um, on that price tag. Now, obviously, like like lighting and like you know costumes yeah, and a set lot of pieces, like don't fall into that. But as right. far as capturing like a good capturing image, capturing a good right? image, the tech is there to be able to do that. And obviously, there's you know you can go to much higher stuff now. Yeah. And you can rent it for relatively cheap i'd yeah. say even that's been you know very made so much more accessible yeah know? yeah like um when we started out renting equipment um back when we were doing videos in the aura brush days yeah um then like to rent a camera gosh what was the price on renting like a, a nice red camera <sighs> i mean it was it was ridiculous like compared to what like it is six now. or seven hundred bucks I, I was gonna say i thought i thought i remembered us doing it for one of the slow-mo like, dogs it was, it was I, I thought it was like 850 when we started okay, renting from, yeah. from from a local company yes and because it was so rare like yeah. they were they, they were there weren't very many out there they were like first big cinema camera to do 4k and 5k at that time right and they were just they were so the, the supply was so low the, the cost of rent was astronomic yeah i, and, remember, I remember it being over a thousand dollars for a rental on on some of the stuff that we did with aura brush and that's come way way down yeah now i mean it's like three four hundred dollars for a day rental yeah. on something that shoots 8k yeah. you know and has like, inc- like even better color and even better dynamic range yeah, yeah and that's i mean that's only like um how many years ago that's like six years yeah it's relatively recent uh-huh six you know? seven years um passed to make all that possible and so um basically like there's really no excuses anymore right mm-hmm. because um, iPhones, for example, capture such a great image that you don't really have to s- sit there and get stuck on, oh, I don't have all this professional video equipment or anything like that. If you actually follow good f- um, film technique principles, then you can capture stuff that can work extremely well um, as an ad or um, to, to tell a story if you're trying to commit, uh, create some sort of original content. And it can work for a long time. I think you've got. Yeah, some. no, yeah. I was gonna say one of a product that um, you know we've seen around is called Mixed Tiles. They have this this video that uh, is a very simple video. It was it looks like it was shot on a DSLR. I cannot say for certain, uh-huh. but I mean it's it looks about that quality level. So pretty high quality. It was shot well. It was the the video was edited in something like like a, the Adobe Cloud. You know, which is like iMovie a, probably. Yeah. No, <laughs> but like, 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 but I mean, like even like even like editing software. We yeah. can cover that. Like that's like you know you can get a, an Adobe Cloud license for like fifty bucks a month. Month, sure. And that technology set, like all that you have in there, like pros 20 years ago could not even fathom having that many tools to do that many amazing things with like motion graphics and like specific editing like um, tools they don't have now or they didn't have then. And like they made this whole commercial. The software would cost you like over a thousand dollars itself. And, in some and cases, even then like, it would be so much more limited than it is now. Yeah, like the capability yeah. was so much more stripped down back then. And like the, this video is very is very informative. It's very, it's using a lot of really good sales principles and tools and demonstration. And like the last time I saw it, I think it had around like sixty or seventy million views on this things, which yeah. which means that like this piece of content was very effective. They were able to spend a lot of money behind it for a long period of time, yeah. and it was it didn't take like an enormous budget didn't take an enormous crew it didn't take you know, well, the highest end cameras in the world to make something that was incredibly impactful and 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 powerful as far as a you know sales perspective yeah and and granted mixed tiles has a great product to start with yeah and yeah we've talked and, about and, that and as so well, yeah. and so much of the content itself is based on how cool that product is yeah. 
but um, they, but in creating that ad, like you said, on what looks like a very low budget, like they didn't get in the way of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They were able to go out and um, and do that really effectively. Very, and um, anyway, I, I uh, well, another example that comes to mind back from the Aura Brush days was the um, the original uh, video that Jeffrey. Um, that Jeffrey did the bad breath test where he shot it with Devin Graham, AKA Devin Supertramp. You guys might know him that way. Um, and um, uh, Joel Ackerman helped, um, um, helped write it. And um, Devin and Jeffrey uh, directed it with um, Austin Craig in, in the ad. And, you know, just a bunch of film students. And this isn't an expectation to set up for anybody. Yeah. But this um, is a, to be fair, this is a very rare occurrence. This is a very rare occurrence. But essentially, they, they made that whole video for 500 bucks, right? And, and that's shooting through editing, which at the time, Dr. Bob, the creator of the Ourbrush thought was really expensive, but um, <laughs> he wasn't familiar with the film world at yeah. all uh, on how much those things cost. But then they've turned around and they've generated, I mean, on, the, on just the public standing alone, it's like 35 million views yeah. on, on the ad on YouTube. And it has way more than that on, on Facebook and on versions that are unlisted on YouTube as well. And um, just drove so much in sales. Ended up being the video that um, propelled the company into stores like Walmart and and um, Target, CBS and CBS, Target yeah. and all those. And um, and uh, so it's like it, it can be done, right? Yeah. You can you can do this stuff, and especially when you're doing the labor yourself, if you're doing a startup or if you're the innovator of your own product uh, or you're you're an entrepreneur of some kind. You can make a video, and what I'd say is like, like, well, I don't know anything about film. Well, what I would say is go look at some Kickstarters, for example. Mm -hmm. Go look at a bunch of Kickstarter videos. Maybe look at a hundred of them. And, um, Successful Kickstarters, I'd yes, say. Yes, that's a good qualifier. <laughs> look, at, look at the Because there's that a work. lot of garbage Kickstarters out there that are cringeworthy. But, yes, <laughs> thank you. Look at successful ones so that you can do that. But... Um, let's say, for example, an average Kickstarter video is um, just putting this in the way of homework for you guys. The average Kickstarter video being three to four minutes long, somewhere in that neighborhood. So if you see, take four minutes, let's say, on the high end, and you say 100 videos, that's 400 minutes. 400 divided by 60 is what, mathematicians? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's between six and seven, right? Because oh, six times seven is 42. So so anyway, you're looking at about six hours of homework just to digest all that content. Yeah. But then if you take your time, you don't even have to do 100 videos. You could maybe do 50 or you know, a couple dozen or something like that. No, you must do 50 or you will <laughs> not gain the wisdom. You, will do more. <laughs> you can go through and you can identify shots that you like, that makes sense to you of like, oh, I could I could figure out how to get my phone in that position to shoot my product that way. Or I could I could set that up on a tripod to where I could talk about that distance from the camera. There's ways to deconstruct this stuff without being a film person yeah. and just kind of um, you know hack your way through it. Because ultimately at the end of the day, even when we come up, so many, so many of the times when we come up with um, creative shots and ideas we're drawing on inspiration from other places yeah not um i mean in all admission in some places we might even be looking at like a direct copy of a, sh a shot that like jj abrams did or something along those lines but um if you go through and look at what's successful out there and obviously this doesn't just apply to advertising it applies to creating original content as well deconstruct those shots and go out and get those and um 
and you can make something that, I mean, you could really be proud of. It can be really effective and doesn't have to cost you a ton of money. Totally. Total democratization of technology from cameras to memory storage to software, um, to software that you build it on. Everything now is so accessible um, and there's free versions of almost everything. Yep. Like, I mean, I remember when I was going through school and at the beginning I started studying animation before I started studied advertising. And so I was learning the program Maya, which is a 3D, which is a 3D modeling program. And I remember at the time them talking about the licenses so for, for Maya for those computers. And I think it was like, it was like six grand, I want to say, or something like that yeah. for the license, a single license on a computer. Might have been more. It might have been like fifteen or twenty. I can't remember what it was. It was something Cost astronomical. Cost really Yeah. Was. But now you can get you can get basically the same kind of thing for free with Blender. Yeah. And people do that, and they'll do they'll build out whole little animated shorts with a free program. Yeah. And um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. And a lot of it now, like what it comes down to, isn't necessarily technology. It's like like just determination and like mm -hmm. like creativity and like you know like nose to the grindstone kind of stuff and just figuring it out you yeah know? literally the best of times also because all your references are usually are often just a google away or a youtube away yeah exactly that, and that was one of the things i wanted to bring up is like we live in a time now where we've got more media and more ideas and more like ways of seeing those ideas with movies or podcasts and you know television and art and like uh, you know, the thing, even back to like a couple, like less than a hundred years ago when like mo moving pictures weren't even a thing, you know, like that's like, it was very rare to see those things. And now like we've got these computer generated images that open up incredible worlds. Like we had, we couldn't imagine in, like our wildest dreams of like complicated, crazy images that are so inspiring. And like Daniel said, they're just, they're all at our fingertips, like with a Google search. That's right. It's either in your pocket, at a Google search, there's, it's some way accessible. Yeah. Um, just you already own the camera. You already, we already have what you need. Just go out and start creating, start doing. That's where, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the craft comes into play is just, um, putting in the reps to try and get it right. Yeah. So maybe we should transition a little bit over to the worst of times. Yeah, this has been really inspirational. <laughs> now we're going to tear you down. <laughs> that's right. And this is, bum you this out. This is where it gets super depressing. Um, <laughs> so some of the ways that um, I think it's kind of, well, some of the ways that it's the worst of times is this abundance and democratization of technology also makes it so um, the market is flooded with possibility. And this is a good thing. At the end of the day, this is a good thing, but one of the side effects of it is um, anyone can create anything, anyone can go out and, and make stuff it. and post it and put it up there. And so everyone does. I mean, tons of people do, and it creates kind of a red ocean where there's like, um, it, those of you not familiar with the, the red ocean um, terminology comes from a book. I forget, I'm forgetting the name of the title right now. You remember it off the top I of your head. Well, there's red oceans and there's blue oceans. A blue ocean is where you have a marketplace that's wide open for exploration. The fish are swimming around freely. There's no sharks in the water, dirtying it up, making it all bloody. A red ocean is where everyone's coming to feed um, the fish are all torn apart. <laughs> There's blood all over Limited in the water. Food. Limited food. That it's very much um, a very competitive um, space is basically what it is. Yeah. And that's what um, I think is kind of going on right now with um, with just content creation. Mm -hmm. 
it's very competitive and advertising is very competitive. Anyone can create an ad, anyone can create original content in one variety or another, whether mm -hmm. it's from the simplicity of just like a walk and talk selfie mode style video into your phone, or whether it's um, talking into the, you know, just the camera in your laptop. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm amazed like how many people like on YouTube are like vloggers that have like daily vlogs for yep. like months and months and months, and they're still getting like, you know, one, 200 views. And that's probably from like, you know, their mom and grandma, grandma going on different ISPs to make their grandson feel good. You know, <laughs> she's going yeah. like the library and checking out every different computer and watching it. That's what it mostly is. I'm pretty certain yeah. sure of it. And like, yeah. because it's just, it's just so much out there. It's so yeah. hard. And there's only a limited amount of like exposure for like big platforms, like the front page of YouTube or like, you know, the front page of Netflix. Even on Netflix, there's so much content on Netflix. It's like almost, we were talking about this the other day in the office. It's almost impossible to even keep up with the releases on Netflix because they're cranking out so much stuff. Yeah. It's insane. So very competitive in that way, everyone creating content. So you have to figure a way to cut through all that, be more creative, do it in a way that um, no one else has done it and figure out how to get your message out there. And um, I guess the, the other side of that is also what we're seeing in the democratization of, of, of content creation in general is like what's happening right now with the big players in the in what they're investing in like netflix is supposed to be putting in 12. somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 billion dollars next year that's psycho content. that's like more than like a small country's gdp i know like that's that's insane yeah um amazon prime is supposed to be doing somewhere in the neighborhood of like eight like six billion eight, yeah somewhere in somewhere in that hulu's like four billion facebook i think is going going in at like apple like eight billion i don't know what it is but they're all in the billions right all these companies yeah. are throwing money in the billions and that's in addition to the disney's and warner brothers and universals and paramounts of the world that are out there uh creating all that content and so yeah very much red ocean yeah um uh, so that's that's kind of one of the things that's a little bit of downside, downside where it can be intimidating to throw your hat into that ring. Yeah. Because everyone's swimming around in a whole lot of blood. <laughs> Covered in fish blood, oh, which is less disgusting than like human blood. That got dark. Cut, yes. cut that joke. <laughs> and it's like it's like the gladiators. You know how they used to have like. They just drain it out, like the the Colosseum. Do, do you know this? No. Like they would have so much murder and so much bloodshed that happened in the Colosseum. To like wash it out with water. They would wash it out with water, and there would be like whole like pools of blood. That I told you this was going to get depressing <laughs> on this half of the video. Hey, but yeah, they would do. Mother of Pearl. No, yeah, look it up. It's it's nasty the history there, and I haven't even been to the Colosseum, and I hear it's huge, but um. Anyway. I've seen Gladiator. It is huge. <laughs> I'm sure that's a one-to-one -one scale reproduction. <laughs> so, um, but I would say don't get discouraged by that. That not every piece of content that's out there that someone else is making is making it so it's harder for you to get yours out there. That's not the way it works. I don't think anyone needs to think of this in terms of a zero-sum game. Yeah, no, it's your it's success not. means my failure. No, not at all. Right? We're also like as a as a culture, we're consuming more content than ever too. So I mean, like, mm -hmm. there's still like a lot of opportunity uh, to to get something 
out there that like people want to watch, you know? And I think another thing that's reassuring, and I don't know about you, Daniel, but like for me, like I watch a lot of like stuff that like, there's so much stuff that's getting cranked out and a lot of it I've watched, I'm like, this is just not exceptional. <laughs> yes. Like there's, um, a, there's so much of it that's like, it's like- That's like, truly exceptional. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's, it's it's rare. And so there's when only so many great British baking shows. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that's, I feel like that's like that's a one once, right once now, in a lifetime like thing. But yeah, Daniel's but, guilty pleasure is to watch amateur bakers make incredible, like, cupcakes and... Um, be ripped apart by Paul Holly. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, um, but, but, but that, seriously, like, like, if you get an exceptional piece of content, though, like, it does cut through and, like, it does get shared, you know, because, like, more content is being consumed than ever and people are starved for really great content. So there's yeah. a lot of opportunity there still, even, in, even with, like, the Red Ocean. And I think in that way, that kind of leads into um, another one of the potential downsides that you were talking about um, when it comes to ideas. Do you want to explain that one? Oh, you have to remind me. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. So, the, so I'd say there's another potential downside. And you brought this up earlier. Yeah. So one of the things like when it, whenever there's a new format, like say something like film, like we've been talking about, like everything you do is relatively revolutionary because it's a totally new like canvas to, you know, create a vision on. Paint with, yeah. Yeah. And to, and to paint on. So like it's, it's, it's one of those things where everything that Buster Keaton was doing was wildly invented because yeah. film was so new as, as a platform for communicating something. And now like film has been established for, you know, close to a hundred years, actually over a hundred years now, I think. Yeah. And um, as a, as a medium for creation. And, and because of that, a lot of stuff has been done or a lot of ideas have been like, innovated on and not to say that there's not any original creation but it is harder and harder to create something that is truly like one of a kind revolutionary like iconic yep. like blowing your mind as you're watching it yeah. not to say it can't be done but i do feel like the difficulty is, is higher increasing yeah to get that that kind of separation from everything else yeah in a truly distinctive idea as opposed to an iterative iterative idea yeah. right something I, that's not evolutionary but revolutionary yeah right? and i think like now like like i think about like my mom she went and saw star wars at the man's chinese theater in yeah. los angeles it was the place to see because it had like the best projector, it had the best stereo system. And she, I remember her telling me this story about when she saw, you know, the Star Destroyer coming across the film or coming across the screen. This big, like, and the John Williams score is like just blaring. And she was like, she knew instantly that this was like something that was like, I will never see something this amazing ever again in my uh -huh. life. This is incredible. Uh -huh. My mom's a total nerd. It's awesome. <laughs> but uh, like that's like now, like that's so commonplace, yeah. you know, with these big spectacle openers and like science fiction films. So that's kind of an example of like, that was something George did back then because it was novel. And now it's like, that's like very well trodden territory. It's very well like known and established, right? It's so funny that you have that, um, that story with your mom because I have an identical story with um, a friend of mine uh, that lives down in Springville here south of Provo. Um, he's, his name's Ed. He's a professor over at, um, at BYU. He, he remembers going to Star Wars for the first time and feeling that same way of like, oh my gosh, it's this whole other world. This is like, this is incredible. This I've never seen anything like this. He went to it. He went to that movie, I think he said, um, 
somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 times in the theater. Jeez, that's an expensive, <laughs> like... No, but at the time, movies weren't weren't as expensive, and his mom would basically, during the summers, the, during the summer, that summer when it released, she'd just, like, drop him off at the theater with some money, and he'd just, like, spend the day there and just watch the thing and then, like, turn around and watch it again. He just watched it over and over and over again because it was so groundbreaking to him. It was so new. And like you said, 77 was a very different time when you could drop your kids off at the movie theater and the movie theater would act as a proxy babysitter. Well, he, <laughs> he was probably 15. I, I don't not, know. I would not drop my kid off. Oh, maybe 15. No, maybe. But that's still kind of sketchy. He was probably 13. He was probably nine. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so he um, just loved the thing so much because it was so groundbreaking. But like you said, those kinds of ideas. Yeah. They seem like they, they're fewer and farther between now to where I still think um, something can be fresh and original, um, very much so. But I agree that it does present challenges with the mm-hmm. idea. But I don't I don't really believe that we'll ever run out of great ideas. Totally. And I still think there's plenty of, of like truly original ideas out there mm-hmm. that have never been done. Um, in ways that we haven't seen. I think there's plenty of room for that. Yeah, I, I don't even think absolutely. we'll run out of that. But but it, it becomes, everything is so accessible now yeah. in, um, in the information age that everyone, not everyone sees everything, but, but people see a lot more than they used so to. So much more. They're exposed to tons more. And so even if someone like, is creating something really cool in Japan or China. Mm-hmm. We might see it here. You know, it might it might find its way here where that was not the case before. Yeah. And so um, I I both agree with that and disagree yeah, totally. that that um, it does create challenges. But at the same time, I actually don't think it's inherently limiting. Yeah, and, and one thing to add on top of that, I feel like even though the, like the the innovation of like you know, ideas or like concepts is, is it might be more challenging, right? I feel like great stories, regardless of whether they've been told before, will always have their place. Always have their place. I mean, that's why like books, like written literature is, you know, thousands of years old. I think that's, should we fact check that? I mean, like we'll say thousands of years (laughs) old of like the written language and like, you know, storytelling Uh has, is, is, is as old as man is, but we are always engrossed in great storytelling that resonate with like the human spirit in a way that like bring us a greater sense of like satisfaction and like, you know, imagination those are always going to be valuable so yeah. it's, it's not it doesn't have to be radically different but it has it, it resonates with people in a really true original storytelling way no matter what format you're doing it it's going to be successful i think marvel's a good example of this right yeah. that essentially they've the the superhero thing has been done and it's been done a lot and but as long as it's being done well then people keep lining up to see it yeah, people and complain I, it's formulaic, but like, dude, if it's formulaic and it works and it resonates with people right. and it's enjoyable. If, did you enjoy it? Then great. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, almost any book you read out there, it's going to have some sort of a hero's journey or mm-hmm. some sort of a, which we can talk about in another podcast. But um, yeah, I I don't think um, just originality alone it should be the bearing. It's whether or not it's it's done well. It's yeah. done in some sort of yeah. I feel like it's this. The scale has tipped now to where execution and uh-huh. like craft is more important than originality. Separate, yeah, that and, separates yeah. people. That's kind of where it's coming to. Where everyone can everyone can do it now. Everyone can make something. 
So just be good at it. Just be really good at yeah. it. Yeah. So that's the moral of the day. First. I like hitting on that. That's way better than like blood yeah. full, like blood filled coliseums. Because that got really dark. Let's bring it back. You can be successful, guys. Just be like a really good storyteller, like Ron Howard. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Ron Howard's a really great storyteller. I think J.J. Abrams is a really good, great storyteller. There's so many good ones out there. There's My a lot gosh. of good ones. There's um. Let's just list them all. No I'm kidding. <laughs> just to fill space that we don't need to fill. Okay. Just be good, good, good storytellers. Be guys. great storytellers. Yeah. If you can really master your craft, there will always be an audience craving that content. Definitely. Totally okay. agree. Yep. Or in the case of those that you're trying to get their message out there, there will always be willing to someone to listen to your story, and ultimately buy your product if you can get that out in effect in an effective way. Cool. Thanks for joining us today, guys. This is the latest episode of When the Ice Cream Hits the Fan. Pleasure to have you along. Looking forward to next week. Rate our podcast if you guys have enjoyed this and rate it um, nothing lower than five stars. And uh, if you do, we'll come and hunt you <laughs> and we'll charm you, you and convince you that it was good <laughs> and that we're likable until you change your rating. That's and right. then we'll be best friends. And also, um, you can look up some of our other content on Facebook, watch as well as YouTube, we have Sell Without Selling Out. Um, so check that out there. We're on IGTV and Instagram. Um, look us up in those other places. And um, thanks for joining today, Shane. That was a lot of fun. No, thanks, Dan. I love discussing this stuff with you. Yeah, this has been a blast. Okay, thanks, guys.